show. Money! Hey, it's a crime. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Hour. Uh, you're Yo. listening to your favorite podcast. Uh, and we're talking about Bitcoin today. Bennett, my co-host, is uh, coming back from a long trip t- from Japan. Bennett Konichiwa. And I uh, lost you. Um Bennett! What the hell, the hell happened there? Sorry, folks. Bennett, I gotta ask you one thing, okay? Well, maybe I'm gonna say it to you. I'm not sure if it's a question or a statement. Ohio goza masu. Konbanwa. Uh. That means welcome to the Bitcoin Power Hour here on Real Rap. You're listening uh, to me. And to to the other guy. Hey, folks, how's it going? Shane, do you ever get the perverse desire just to piss your pants on public transportation? <laughs> I was on the train um, on today, and I could not stop thinking about what if I just fucking let it rip? I had to piss just... so bad, and I was like, what if I just do it? What am I going to do? <laughs> if I do it like a stop for my, my they're not going to kick me off? I'll never see any of these people again. It's like the same exact same crowd every, every day. single day. Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess that would be the downside of doing it. Yeah, it's more of a. I guess that's more of more of some subway antics than a well, it, than a regional yeah. rail. Stunt. If you wanna, um, if you wanna pick that up, you're you're gonna have to give up the cargos because those things are built to show the piss. Mm-hmm. I have to say, soak them up. They probably get so heavy. Oh, God, imagine pissing your pants in cargo shorts and it just fills up all the pockets. <laughs> it's like you have to get, like, the lined, the wicking wicking Ooh. hardware ones. Um, mm-hmm. I remember one time, I think I may have told this before, I, I peed in elementary school back when we had uniforms. Back on the topic of uniforms, you know, you love to see it, you love to hear it. Um, I was wearing my navy, dark navy uh, trousers? What's the difference between a trouser? Anyway, car- they're just navy cargo type pants as per the uniform. I was about nine years old and wow. I peed and then pulled my pants up and just pissed again like a full probably nine ounces of piss and went back to class. I was like, what What solution is there besides me looking like a fucking fool going down to the nurse and putting on like adult mm-hmm. men's pants that i have to wear the rest of the day or like women's scrubs and uh-huh. so just go straight back to class sit down and the guy next to me was like smells like wet metal and i was like yeah that's weird and <laughs> <laughs> just went about my day but <laughs> meanwhile we got a mouthful of pennies <laughs> <laughs> bennett how the hell are you I'm 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 good. I'm good. Why? I, I as I was logging into YouTube to rent this movie, even though I own it on Blu-ray, uh, I completely <laughs> forgot. I this is the exact sort of movie I own on Blu-ray. A movie I haven't seen in a decade that I bought. Like, oh, that'll look nice on the shelf. Um, <laughs> why the fuck is hidden password the default? What is what does someone have to gain from stealing the password to my YouTube account or to like my my iTunes? Mm, right, where it's all dots. You mean? Yeah, what, what is the fucking point of that for anything besides logging into your bank account? Mm. And even then, you're really, I don't know, you're banking on a lot of muscle memory for me. But. I guess the idea is that we all use the same password for everything, so yeah. just 
But I, I mean, I think certain things, it's like the secrecy is, what do I care if someone's on my YouTube or something? I agree. Mm-hmm. Right. Because um, like, at the end of the day, if I wanted to go off on a fucking tirade on Facebook, getting out of that would be just as simple. It would be as simple as pretending I was hacked. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the worst someone's going to do by actually hacking me? <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, we had a moment where privacy was a really big topic, and now that's just gone completely oh. out the window. I was just looking up. There's some phone you can get. It's like $700. It's like, we take your privacy seriously. I bet. At what cost? Mm-hmm. I probably have to. Now I'm using a brick telephone to uh, so that no one sees when I'm ordering uh, paper towels. You see, you can attach a bidet to your toilet for only 70 bucks, speaking of paper products. Woo! Like, you can mount a bidet on top of your toilet, like another ceramic. No, no, it's some sort of attachment. I don't like that it's called Tushy, but it's the sort of brand that's advertising on uh, Instagram now. And it's the sort of, it's these weirdly specifically, it's these weirdly specific and weirdly accurate, um, like, things you hate about your body ads that i keep getting from instagram uh, i told you about the, the the posture correctors and like the oy. stop sweating in your <laughs> sleep stuff now they know yeah. how much i hate wiping uh-huh. <laughs> they're on to me correct uh, like, people get, know get what a, a fucking stinking ass i was walking around with <laughs> what's the posture correction is it just a brace i've seen braces and i've also seen this weird little like just like I don't comb. know how else to describe it besides a widget. It's the size of you've seen a mummy, right? <laughs> I've seen a mummy. No, you've seen the mummy, right? With Brendan oh, Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the, the scarabs? Those little beetles. Oh yeah, they. Actually, crawl you know, this thing skin. is the exact size and shape of one of those, but it mm. looks like you know, like an Apple product. Yeah, they they better be careful. I don't shove one of those up my pussy. Yeah, right. Oy, oy. <laughs> Give me something vaguely oblong, and trust me, it's <laughs> it's it's fifty fifty whether that thing's going in my pussy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, go to the doctor. I don't know. I must have done it in my sleep again. <laughs> um, hey, this is the third thing I've had to yank out of your bussy this month. <laughs> he ties a ties a string to it and slams the door. Oh God! <laughs> your doctor, that's just like your uncle, who's just uh, kind of does all the I don't know rubbing dirt in it version of uh-huh. of healing that you need to do. It's it's kind of the opposite of. Ch- Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine, you just wave your hand over the affected area with like um, anise seed. And American uh, medicine is putting a, a ice skate in your mouth to get rid of a, a rotten tooth or mm-hmm. um, just bl- <laughs> blowing your nose all the time to try to get rid of a, a cold, uh-huh. like the neti pot. It's just uh, guess- just. Bunk. Oh God! I gotta say, I, I, I can count on probably two hands the number of times I've actually used tissues. If I have to blow my nose oh my that badly, God. I'm going into the bathroom <laughs> and doing one of these into the sink. <laughs> or, you know, God willing, I'm by myself and I can just fucking do that on oh, whatever yeah. I'm wearing around the house. I wouldn't do it on a shirt that I wear outside. But if I'm sitting around the house in some pilled sweatshirt, you think I'm bothering mm. to use tissues? Good lord! <laughs> people, the fact that people go through so many tissues. It's it's almost like it's like when there's a tornado and you buy a ton of bread, but you're not even uh-huh. eating bread in the first place, like white bread. Right. Oh, you got to get many... your bread and milk, the stuff you are consuming all the time. Uh-huh. That yeah, that I I I mean I guess they're just assuming that's a staple for most people, but right, like 
before a flood, like gotta go out and get six cartons of milk. I can't, I cannot tell you the last time. We've definitely talked about this in the podcast before. I find milk truly revolting. The very oh idea. Oh my of it. god, Annie and I were walking. <coughs> Just got back from New York. Gotta give a big shout out to the uh, the New York City for hosting us. Um, whatever and uh we're walking down the street there's these two just kind of fashionable looking people and the girl has like a fucking full fat carton of milk like the half liter i guess a skinny one that she and she's like a skinny seemingly with it millennial just fucking tilting that thing up getting the last drop and annie and i in unison just like oh are you are you sure it was milk i am positive it we wasn't looked like in the trash and she, or... <laughs> we looked in the trash and it was like and it's whole and then they oh, just like it's... continued strutting down the street god i would have barfed mm-hmm. that's my version of the gallon challenge is yeah seeing someone drink even an ounce of milk <laughs> <laughs> mommy Ooh. Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway we're talking uh sophia coppola's second film uh Gosai Masu. Uh, oh, hey. <laughs> Back to the uh, Bitcoin hour here, folks. Hey, they don't call it Litecoin for nothing. Saikindo, uh. Maido, Ohio Sama, Genki De, Mata Ashita. Anyway, we're talking about the bling ring today. Hey. Welcome back, folks. <laughs> Welcome back to the bling ring hour. Uh, no, we're talking about um, the other one, Bennett. Ah, uh, Lost in Translation. Who could forget? Uh, it's lit. Nominated for four Academy Awards, winning one. A fixture of uh, best of the aughts lists back in uh, back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Shane, what was your relationship with Lost in Translation like before uh, before we watched it again? Before the last time I watched it was probably five to seven years ago. It's something that I kind of. I found out about it when I was in late high school, probably, and thought it was the best movie ever made. Um, recommended it to everybody, and then I kind of never watched it again after that. It was solidified in my head as like the only good movie that I ever actually liked. It felt like I was an adult watching it, mm-hmm. uh, and that it appealed to my very adult sensibilities of just wanting to see Scarlett Johansson's ass. Um for an extended period of time. No, just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was I thought it was a serious movie. Uh, mm-hmm. um, what what about you? I think I'd also probably only watched it one other time around yeah, like the end of the decade. I remember um weirdly my dad just out of the blue mentioning that he liked this movie. I was like, oh, "You really? know what you got to see?" Um, and that's like, I was at an age probably back then, you know, like when you just assume your parents must have good taste. Yes. So that was, yeah, it was like a real, like, mm, it, it yeah, definitely yeah. was like logged away in my mind. And and even before I'd seen it, I knew of the famous opening shot of, uh, Scarlett Johansson's can. Which, I um, didn't remember that <laughs> until I watched it this time. Uh, let's get it out of the way early folks. Auga. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hopelessly horny over here at the Real Rap Studio. Uh, my dad also loved it as well for its uh, depiction of being in a foreign country as like an adult traveler. Uh, he referred to the just countless injustices that you face 
traveling internationally and being kind of like carted around like a baby and asked questions at all times. Um, and I, I felt that like, I don't know. Uh, Sophia wrote this. Is that, am I correct in assuming that Bennett? (laughs) I was going to say my, my dad also mentioned how much he related to like the experience. He he said he related so much to Bill Murray's character. He's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Like B list celebrities here, A list celebrities there, and boy howdy, they got people that look like teenagers everywhere. People are playing, they got forty year old <laughs> dudes playing video games. Like he very much had like a Bill Murray like reaction to it. And looking back now, I wonder if any of what my dad related to was at feeling at all unmoored in his relationships. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can only now help wonder. <laughs> oh my god, exactly. Like going away and being like, God, I can't stand my kids. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I felt that so many of the parts with Bill Bill Murray were so specific to his life like that um Sophia Coppola had a really unique view into what would be like a middle-aged businessman going to a different country and I don't uh I wonder I don't know she just has very broad broad perspective it seems to be able to conceive of this like whole character and all these small things that would be happening to him like he's wealthy and he's away so his wife is sending him like swatches of carpet because she's remodeling us remodeling the house presumably because he's going to be away at the time and uh they're very wealthy so they're probably always remodeling and since he's getting this big commercial deal they can like afford to remodel the house it's like kind of this outside world that she assumes that kind of informs all these small moments that uh bill murray encounters uh yeah yeah i like how much um how much um kind of hinting at both bob's relationship with his wife and uh charlotte's relationship with her husband that she does um there's a lot of um just purely visual stuff that you really kind of have to be paying attention for like the very like terse faxes from uh bob's wife <laughs> or when um and and the somewhat the, the somewhat um pro- provocative line i'm spending a lot of quality time with the construction crew mm-hmm. um and then uh there, there's scenes of uh scarlet like flipping through um you know pictures of her and her husband from presumably like happier times that the, the movie really trusts you to sort of like tune into its with, with into its like rhythm which i really like which i guess is another thing in hindsight that it was to me the reactions to this movie from like just like people i know in my actual life besides like my Mm. dad liking it and like having the general idea that this was like a movie you were supposed to like i remember hearing multiple people talk about it this was like the worst movie they'd ever seen because this i think is as indie as a lot of people get you know Uh, yeah it's um undeniably like an independent film and like made on a pretty small budget and pretty low-key but like is vetted by the oscars does like obscenely well with critics so it's pretty you know it becomes a, a a it's very relevant in the mainstream, uh, you know, uh, conversation. Yeah, she kind of sticks to uh, the Hollywood narrative structure and um, everything kind of moving in the same direction. Like you're not um, you're not asked to make stretches of your imagination to or put in uncomfortable positions based on where these people are in their lives or even like dealing with the uh the harshness of their relationships isn't necessarily something that is painful to witness because these people seem pretty uh complacent or just kind of bored um i see i don't know if i agree because i feel like it 
I feel like, um, and I, I don't want to belabor any like autobiographical points, but it seems like Sofia Coppola was very informed by like her own <clears throat> experiences. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. people have sort of connected the dots, whether or not that the husband is supposed to be at all an avatar for her real life, then husband, uh, mm. Spike Jones. But she talked about it being all about her experiences, feeling sort of like aimless and, and being in Japan, um, <clears throat> promoting oh, the virgin I... suicides. I feel like it's, it, it's a film as, as much as it's easy to dismiss the characters as being sort of like complacent and like, um, I don't know, wealthy white people, which, you know, is part of what a lot of people don't think has aged well about the film. It's, um, I don't know, taking these perspectives so seriously, but I feel like it's very, um, it's such an emotionally intelligent film for as um, muted as it is. I don't know. I feel like it takes both of their experiences really seriously without asking us to be involved in any like melodrama, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, Um, you're right. I mean, Charlotte's clearly about to like break down in every scene, but it's never like, it's never pitched at at all. Like an intense it's never there's never any like intensity to how it's pitched and bob who's obviously feeling pretty rudderless is more of like a a comic figure throughout he's just constantly getting like sort of you know uh to your point there's just constant sort of like indignity he's constantly uh being misunderstood or you know mm-hmm. being uh taken advantage of by an elliptical or <clears throat> <laughs> yeah uh i i think what i'm what i'm saying is this is at the edge of what's acceptable to like the academy um something that goes with all of our perceptions of who these people are and like even when they're slighted um we're never kind of supposed to take take it in a way that would harm our conception of the characters um even though i think bill murray is kind of an unlikable guy in this movie i think that everything kind of moves in the same direction and by the end we're satisfied with what goes on based on what we're kind of led to believe he's really kind of a dick he's very short with people all the time yeah he to all of the all he treats all of japan as just like one person that's in his way Uh um and that there's like a big joke it's like a big joke to him that no one's laughing at except Mm -hmm. it's like all kind of i feel like he kind of acts towards the camera like he'll say things to himself that are like jokes to the audience and um, I don't know. It, he he is kind of repulsive to me at certain points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I feel like the idea is that we're supposed to like him. Yeah, I mean, or at least um, I don't know, find empathize with him in some way, or feel I don't know, feel like we can, uh, or maybe if not empathize, sympathize with him. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that, that that bit where he calls his wife after like the night out with um, Scarlett, and she's just kind of like not at all interested is sort of mm-hmm. uh, as close as we get to like a sad moment from him and he does get that sort of monologue at the end, which is very um, Don Draper at his most wistful when he's talking about uh, how you go from being like overwhelmed to like um, overwhelmed with like, Oh my God, my life is ruined to overwhelmed um, with like affection and admiration when you have kids that reminded Mm -hmm. me of, you'll remember Don Draper's monologue from the end of the season six episode, the flood after Uh he and Bobby went to uh, planet of the apes and he's talking to Megan on the, or he's talking to, He's just talked to Betty on the phone. Now he's talking to Megan. Megan's so pissed that he spent all day at the movies. And he goes on this long, winding monologue about <laughs> how he's finally realized that he loves his kids. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah. I, um, I, on the subject of what, what, what a somewhat dislikable character he is, another thing that people talk about when they talk about this movie is uh, how poorly some of the culture clash material has aged. Mm. And... In a way, it's significantly more racist than Gung Ho. And I mean that in the sense that 
gun, on our gun ho episode, we remarked that only only but a once did Michael Keaton make a mixing up um, R's and L's joke. Ah, yes. On at least five occasions, Bill Murray jokes by doing that himself. And then in the scene, it's like the best sequence in the movie when they're like sitting in bed together. And they're, uh-huh. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson literally asks, <laughs> why do they mix up R's and L's why here? Why do you like, think they on. mix up the R and L? <laughs> oh. How is this more racist than Gung Ho? <laughs> she Sophia really kind of hammers home the like stereotypes. I feel on this every. I I think Bill Murray treats everybody in Japan as like just kind of a dis like a uh, a hindrance to living a fulfilling life, and Sophia Coppola treats all of them as like kind of just the same kowtowing, like very respectful silent uh person no one is, no one besides that uh old guy in the hospital is characterized at all really well i, so I was reading an essay um on like news and someone pointed out that like basically just about every one of the japanese characters that we get to meet at all like get any scene with is is, is involved to some degree in the rarefied kind of bizarre world of fame that both um bob especially but also Charlotte, by virtue of being married to her husband, are, are operating in. So in a sense, mm. they're all like playing characters. They're all sort of putting it on for for Bob's, uh, both for his benefit and, you know, in, in the case of like the talk show host, because he's very literally playing a character in his daily life. There's a certain amount of performativity to like everything that's going on and basically any interaction Bob has with like, say, one of his handlers or like the escort they send up to his room right. or, um, you know, even his agent. There's a certain amount of like, playing a part that's necessary right, and on the subject yeah. of 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 um I, I, depictions of um milieus that have or sort of aged poorly i found this movie's depiction of um like hollywood types and like celebrities very broad as well like nearly as broad <laughs> as the um uh-huh. as the cultural stuff like that scene where she's at the bar i think it's when she first goes over to starts talking to him and all of um, Giovanni Ribisi's friends are just like pontificating. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yo, you don't like you don't like hip hop music? Just sort of like, and she's not getting a word in edgewise. Like, yeah. Is there a movie about Hollywood types that doesn't have a scene exactly like that with some some woman just being like talked at by a bunch of dudes in like backwards baseball caps? <laughs> right. I mean, Anna Ferris plays like the ultimate caricature of like, kind of like, uh, I don't know, Cameron Diaz, I guess. Uh-huh. Just like someone who's <laughs> two people say, yeah, very entertaining, but does all these stupid movies um, and doesn't really have much to say. I don't, I'm not saying this about Cameron Diaz, but like what the public perception of like the blonde actor is. Um, And Anna Faris does it really well. I think that all of these things that we're pointing at of like the outside world being kind of uncharacterized and the, the only real humanity coming from, uh, the two main characters and kind of uh, Bob's wife on the phone. She's also kind of like, I would say, a, a person whose perspective you could understand. Um, I think all of that kind of lends to this feeling that Sofia Coppola gets at of two people being alone in a very busy world and uh, kind of insulated and which has the effect, and I think the camera does this as well, of having tight shots on all of them, and you're in this like expansive kind of landscape of Japan, and you're only seeing like either POV shots or very tight shots of either 
people's faces, Scarlett Johansson's butt, or uh, little areas of the hotel that they're in. All of this kind of lends to this almost feeling like you're in like a mat room with mattresses on the wall and you can only focus on Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson and how their small relationship kind of develops. Uh, it made me kind of think of Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love of the way we're only given this limited perspective of two people um, mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, uh, it, it's a blatant style choice. Um, and I don't know, just gives us the idea that like, or makes us exist with the idea that the world is like against these two people and we're watching how they kind of bounce around in it when they're totally alone and makes Mm -hmm. the makes, makes what happens in the end, like extremely gratifying because you also in turn feel kind of alone watching it and you just want something in this world that's kind of desolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it, it's a pretty isolating movie too. As much as it lets us into these like private spaces with Bob and Charlotte, we don't we don't they don't communicate a ton of their interior lives to one another. Nor do we get much in the way of biography for either of them. We get a little mm-hmm. bit of Bob watching himself on TV. We get you know that Charlotte went to Yale, but we're 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 kept at a fair distance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and and on, on the subject of their isolation too, every time the, the couple times they are able to reach out when they're like talking to people on the phone, every time they're talking to anybody on the phone, the person's just trying to hang up. Charlotte's talking about <laughs> um, like wanting to cry because she felt nothing at like a temple, and her friends oh, like, yeah. "Oh wait, sorry," like she's like distracted. Um, and then every time, literally every time, Bob talks to his wife, which is like I, I think like three or four, she's like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I gotta go. And then the yeah. kids don't want to talk to him. Uh-huh. It's I don't know for both of them, I. I generally love everything the important cinema club has to say, but they, and it was probably sort of a flip remark. Will Sloan said something like, these are two characters who have nothing in common, but the fact that they're white. And I'm like, well, in addition to the fact that they're both people who are used to living in this sort of rarefied space around like fame. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also two people who are now at a point in their lives where they've, they're, they're starting to wonder if they've like outlived their usefulness, mm. um, both in the sense of their, um, their, their, their chosen field and also in the sense of the relationships they've got. Um, she's, I guess, just finished like getting a master's and is now in this sort of post-collegiate, like, oh, great. I, I, you know, I I now have to try to figure out what to do. And he's obviously at a career impasse. And, you know, even if his kids are just being kids about it, he, he voices a couple of times that he's reached the point where, yeah, they they could live without me. And even his wife says something. And again, I think she's being a little flip, but I, I, I think it's meant to, you know, read as, thematically consistent with what he said she says something like yeah they're getting used to being here without you Mm -hmm. you know yeah um it's you know it's people who are starting to realize just how alone they might be Mm -hmm. now that they've reached i guess probably like 25 and 55 respectively i don't know how old they're supposed to be Uh, i i think what's also gratifying is that uh bill bob is probably a very interesting person based on like how his career has been he's like this really interesting history and uh scarlett johansson's character what's her name in the movie uh charlotte charlotte's character is someone who was probably very precocious and interesting growing up but they both are in this kind of foreign world where uh 
no one is really speaking to them or having like a meaningful conversation. And so they have a unique opportunity in this world to be the only person that the other can talk to in a way that has no context. Charlotte doesn't really care that he's super famous. Um, and uh, he's able to speak generally in like when he's joking, it's just kind of in like a very flat way. And, but when he's like speaking about life, he can do it when they're talking in bed about like kids and stuff. That's kind of a way you'd only be able to speak if you just like met someone on the train or somebody that doesn't have any context of who you are. And you could just kind of check in with like where you are in life. And they both <laughs> at different points say to say to each other, like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And you can't like she tried on the phone it's like i don't know who i married it's like you can't open up that conversation with somebody you've known for a long time because they there's just too much context and too many things to like mm -hmm. explain away the way you're feeling but i feel like sophia hits on a unique way in which we're able to talk to strangers in this really uh kind of reckoning with life type of way of like a, what what it's like to have kids without getting into detail or like kind of speaking like philosophers about uh, I don't know where you are up to this point, which kind of, I think that what, seeing this movie, especially being in like high school and shit, you have these feelings of like, I feel like I'm really important or I have a lot to say, but like no one's really talking to me and I, I can't really say the things I want because all my friends, I'm obviously just speaking from my own experience, but like maybe uh, the friends I have, I can't really tell them how exactly how I feel. And the idea of just two people meeting in this fucking foreign world and seeing each other and being like, kind of instantly recognizing that the other person has, is is special or important without, you know, any of the baggage and being able to talk to them um, with the kind of identity that you might have for, with yourself but haven't yet shared with other people is uh, really compelling in this. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, are, uh, are you a fan of the Linklater uh, films, the Before, uh, Before Sunrise? I haven't Before seen them. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, kind of a similar. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the conceit of at least the the first. I'm one. not. <laughs> oh, really? No. Um, I mean, they're just like two people who meet on a train and like strike up a conversation, and it's like basically in real time, an hour and forty minutes. Oh, really? That sounds cool. Um, the second one's better than the first one, and the third one sucks. It stinks. But hey, uh, Bennett, I used to dang work for the guy. What are you trying to get, get oh, me sorry. out of the kick? What are you trying? What are you? Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Someone, we had a whiteboard in the back of that, and it says, "What's your least favorite movie?" And someone wrote, uh, "So, so, someone wrote Boyhood," and then we stopped doing that stuff. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine if it was because Richard Linklater walked in and started crying? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck wrote this? <laughs> Who the fuck wrote that? Which one Show of you fucking oh. big babies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Show no your... one's gonna fess up, huh? You're all fucking fired. You're all fucking Get fired. Out. You big babies. You know how long that took me? <laughs> Ten fucking years. Blood, sweat, and tears, baby. <laughs> you don't get that just sitting on your fucking thumb. Fucking interns. Fucking asshole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> uh, mm. I, um... So, there's very, very little conflict in this movie. Like we said, it's all very internal. And the, mm -hmm. the shades of what's going on in these characters' heads are basically what they, they say to one another your point uh, both very candid and very non-specific things mm -hmm. um the the little bit of conflict that we do get um 
is wrapped up pretty quickly uh, on his penultimate night in uh, in Japan. I think Charlotte's going to be there for another week or so. He sleeps with the uh, the singer at the hotel bar. Uh, good scene, and I like woman singing like Don Shane. Uh, and I like that, like that's how Charlotte finds out about it. Is that she hears her singing like Don Shane, <laughs> <laughs> singing some awful like standard in the background. But uh-huh. it leads to like sort of a, a rift that's resolved pretty quickly between the two of them. And usually mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's convenient that they wrap that up. But I, I really like that here. There's no like sitcom like, oh, it's not what it looks like. There's no like him. Oh, let me explain. Mm. There's they, they don't even mm. mention it when they reconcile. Like this, there's yeah. Like they I... they feel as if they've come to like know each other well enough that they can just sort of like let it pass. Right. It's the and it's also the first time she uh, that so Sophia shows that these two are maybe somehow closer to each other, like maybe romantically attracted to each other, which you're getting hints of the entire time, but it, by, it's, it's never acknowledged by either of them. Um, by having Bob sleep with her and her find out, uh, we're able to see that Charlotte is hurt by that, and mm-hmm. it makes it feel like there was something romantic um happening and it's great because she's you know instead of having them have like a you know kissing when they're doing the karaoke or something she shows it the opposite way of her being hurt when he's with somebody else i i'd see i'm of i'm kind of, of kind of two minds there i i do love the the sort of subtle way it's worked out but i wonder if charlotte's response puts a little too fine a point on it as far as mm-hmm. the romance is concerned like mm-hmm. one of the things people love about the movie is that it's it, it's reasonably ambiguous what the nature of their um attraction and affection attraction to and affection for one another is and when charlotte says something like well the two of you are closer in age it makes a little too um obvious that she's been thinking about sleeping with bob you know Mm -hmm. by saying you two are closer than age she's presenting herself as like the alternative i feel like it puts a little too fine a point on it that like they're they're legitimately sexually attracted to one another you know yeah i i totally agree i think that watching this again i probably was really um i really responded to the clarity of the kind of tension that they have was (laughs) but i feel like now it could have just been like she's like oh i'll see you later and like them having a bad lunch afterwards and having this like very direct tension with each other it doesn't really make sense with the way that their relationship is they're both married her husband is like in japan i feel like they wouldn't be so quick to just start like hooking up with each other and that it's more important as just a sort of ambiguous very big age difference type of relationship Although I will say honestly, because it was the sort of thing I was like looking for, like subtle hints of their kisses at the end are way less chaste than when he first kisses her when he's like leaving the hotel. There seems to be at least an emotional charge there mm, at the end mm-hmm. when There's they're in the, the elevator. Um, we kiss the in the elevator and it's fairly chaste, and then when he mm-hmm. kisses her on the street, um, the, you know the the, the famous uh, closing scene of the film. Talk uh-huh. about a film with two great bookends, huh? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like the the ass stuff for me. Okay, so this film opens with just like tw- f- fifteen to twenty and uninterrupted seconds of uh, Scarlett Johansson in pink underwear, uh, and it's her, just her ass. And 
to me, <laughs> this doesn't really factor into other parts of the movie. I think Sofia Coppola is just kind of ass obsessed, or yeah. if not ass obsessed, just kind of like, uh, just like. So Scarlett Johansson has this overall purity that she shares with, um, with uh, the Virgin Suicides girls of not ever being over the top, not really ever being in the wrong either, um, mm-hmm. and being just kind of quaint and beautiful all the time. There's uh, there's no sense that she has any like ugly parts of her body, or whereas Bill Murray kind of does we see like his paunchiness and how he fits awkwardly and clothing um but scarlett johansson is like can do no wrong she's like the ideal pure human really i think she kind of dresses like shit in this movie which i love well i guess it's just 2003 like i don't know but she does kind of dress like i guess like kind of casually schlubbly she doesn't in compared to like the 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 lounge singer who's like dressed in like hot clothes. I, um, I, I love that, that camouflage shirt that he wears. That never fails to make me laugh. <laughs> well, you really are having midlife crisis. And then flips it inside out immediately. Mm-hmm. I actually had that exact t-shirt coincidentally. Um, I don't, I may have done it on purpose, but I remember having that at one point. Really? Yeah. You see a lot of Scarlet's feet in this movie too. Uh, Oh Yeah. And his feet. Uh-huh. Yeah. But been a lot of uh, been a lot of feet in movies for me recently. Oh yeah, I bet you're uh, I bet you're <clears throat> you're just uh, you're dreaming of genie over there. I dream I'm of dreaming... genie with a long toenail. Oh. I finally cut my, my toenails on my big toes after what might have been like six months. They were truly like getting to be a handful. Um, I word. wish I knew where my pink wig was, by the way, because I would have put it on for this. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's where it's a perfect wig. You could tell they really brushed the shit out of it. Because mm-hmm. anytime I put on a wig like that, it's just like a fucking rat on my head. Clumps, yeah. Uh-huh. Never fits right. Yeah, no. I, who? Yeah, who can put on a wig that immaculately? Going out, we're supposed <laughs> to believe she's. We're supposed to believe she's got a bald cap on under that. Bring me your huddled masses with their nasty pink wig. Who among us hasn't worn a matted, throw-up, stained pink wig? My cat threw up three times last night. Really? Oh. Uh, is she unwell? No, Generally, she's or... fine. She just ate a shit ton. My fault. Oh, mm. Hashtag can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. Cat's like, save me. And I'm like, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> You're just joking around with it. Yeah. <laughs> ah, uh, first time around the fourth meal, I'll get you. <laughs> Keep feeding her. Hey, you're not supposed to live that, Moss. <laughs> live hey, Poquito Moss, my friend. Poquito Moss. Um, oh, man. But I, I, I think that Sophia has this kind of uh, a little bit of a and maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, <sighs> where are the goddamn words when you need them? Maybe I'm projecting <laughs> here. Sophia has kind of, she kind of fetishizes these female characters so far that I've seen. Makes them these totally sealed, uh, very earnest and perfectly okay female characters that are like mm. attractive. 
Would, yeah, for wrong? someone who likes, for someone like me who likes to appreciate female characters on film, the one, the way one might look at like uh, the Venus de Milo or say uh, <laughs> uh, the portrait of Madame X, I really want her to work with all of Glace's gals. Honestly, like she's worked with Kiki and she's worked with Scarlet. I want her to work with not that Scarlet's really one of Glace's gals anymore. She mm-hmm. really kind of jumped the shark, but uh, I wanted to work with <laughs> I wanted to work with Rooney. I wanted to work with she would make a meal of a movie with Kristen Stewart. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> Seriously. No, she would. I I I don't know. I think uh, Kristen Stewart has a bit of a roughness that I don't know if Sophia would be able to reckon with. A humanity, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, but I don't know. Scarlet has a Kristen Stewart-ish quality to her. I, I, I completely affect. agree, especially in this movie. Very much in this movie, yeah. And we also, I mentioned this in a text. Too. I, I completely forgot to mention it on the Virgin Suicides episode. There is no A24 without Sofia Coppola, right? The aesthetic, whatever oh, one calls completely it, agree. look that, you know, all of their trailers and basically all of their movies follow. She invented with the Virgin Suicide. Right. I think I wrongfully attributed all of current, like, quote, indie cinema to Little Miss Sunshine, or at least that was, like, the beginning of the end in terms of, like, that aesthetic. But I think Lost in Translation really uh, has the aesthetic staying power that we see in like all these movies currently i really think that she is just as strong a visual uh artist as wes anderson i think she's a better visual artist frankly wes anderson just kind Mm -hmm. of took his style and ran with it but she was coming up at the same exact time and i don't know championed what we see now as like the ideal indie aesthetic well, and they're both obviously the two the two filmmakers responsible for kind of giving us what we now think of as Bill Murray's screen presence. Right? That's true. I mean, basically, yeah. this movie and Rushmore, where he kind of codified that. Is it codified or codified? One of those words I that I've only codified. ever seen in writing. <laughs> I don't know. I remember one time saying in a college class the word. Uh, I think okay. I think the word is actually pronounced ana- an anachrony, anachronistic. Is that right? And I, yeah. I remember being in a college class and I said anachrony and uh, the teacher just asked me to repeat myself like three times and eventually just gave me this answer that had nothing to do with what I was talking about. I was like, does that answer your question? Because he had no <laughs> idea the word that I was saying. And I was like, oh, still one of the soft boiled egg points in my mind. I cannot I, let that go. I have a bad tendency to pronounce words the wrong way, assume that words are pronounced a certain way, and get indignant when I hear them. <laughs> what turns out to be the right way? I, I famously showed my whole ass the first Ooh. time I met my ex-girlfriend by saying, like, I fucking hate when people pronounce that word chast. It's ch- <laughs> when people pronounce it chaste. It's chast. I just fucked it up now. I've gotten so used to making sure I say it the right oh way. Or that I've used twice on this podcast already. But I just remember being like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's chastity. Obviously, the word is chast, right? You got any words like that that the pronunciation annoys you? And she was like, no, it's, it's for sure chased. And we went to like dictionary.com and I was like, fuck. Showing my whole presenting like a goddamn head. baboon, doomed from the start. Yeah. It's a true story. Oh, that is so good. It's nice to have loved ones to kind of um, embarrass yourself in front of so you don't have to do it in front of anybody else. Um. So the. I, I was trying to figure out in Sof- if Sophia is doing things that are mostly pointing me in the same direction. I was having... You see this right now? My, my cat is just right, right up in my system here. 
Um, oh, you want to sit on my lap? That's fine. Um, she went the scenes in the arcade. I don't know if those are supposed to make me feel differently about um, Scarlett Johansson's relationship to the world, or if they're when they're running through the arcade. I don't know if that's because on the surface, I think if I was a lot younger, I'd be like, oh, that's just like world building, Japan, fucking crazy shit. But I feel like she kind of rests on these these people playing those um, Guitar Hero type game or the drumming game. She does it for kind of a long time that made me rethink, like, is this, is she trying to tell me something here? It's worth noting her husband is there to do photography for a band. And he's complained uh, about the Japanese stylist wanting a much different look for um, the the shoot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's something that's on Charlotte's mind. Yeah, parallel of some sort, some repetition of performance. Because then they do the uh, they do the karaoke, and that's like a very it's it's and hmm, interesting because also there's the the performance of the lounge singer. And then there's also the performance of the of Anna Ferris doing the interview. And there's also her performance of being a lounge singer. And that's interesting. I mean, all the ways in which these people, when they're up in front of a crowd, how they act differently. The way Bill Murray handles being in front of the camera um, when he's like doing his Roger Moore shit or when he's doing the talk show. Um, the way that Scarlett Johansson, when she is singing, is only kind of focused on Bill Murray, even though there's these other people, uh, around her, her, another aspect of her personality of being this, like, um, it, it kind of shows, shows each character in a different light now that I'm thinking about it and seeing, I guess, these people in an arcade doing these kind of like dancing perform we see how huh we see the how guitar guy is very much performing the guitar he's got, guy, his he's cigarette got a in his cigarette mouth. he's yeah, very he's much trying to look a cool. video game and then the girl is kind of sitting sitting there wow like, oh, i yeah. uh, i didn't think about that but it seems like it's repeated throughout this um and, and the, uh, the the prostitute who's like enacting a relationship with a or, I mean, sex worker, an acting relationship with Bill Murray, and she kind of uh-huh. does this huge... It's very much a whole script, yeah. It's like a whole thing. Um, so I guess maybe there's something to be said about the ways a different part of us get gets revealed when we are uh, put on stage. Bill Murray is done doing it, like, unwittingly, and then we see him also do it intentionally in the karaoke Scene. Well, they're also often framed up against these huge windows that can't help but look like a picture frame or mm-hmm. like a, a screen. Gonna use my arms. Gonna use my legs. Oh, gonna use my man. style. Gonna use my sidestep. Okay. Um, I have to say, just I'm just fatally attracted to Scarlett Johansson at this point in her career. <gasps> I... It's I, it would be embarrassing to say the the extent of it, but Sophia, I I I can't knock her for creating a character that is impossible to not fall in love with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And when she sings um, Brass in Pocket by the Pretenders, holy oh, shit. Holy shit. <laughs> in that wig. Oh, yo. In that oh, wig. <laughs> oh, man. We can okay. see her in a robe. Oh, uh, okay, go ahead. You were oh, okay. talking about um, concept of you're watching this. Um, so, you know, I mentioned the, um, the, the sort of Hollywood stuff sticking out to me as, like, she's dealing very much in, like, stock stuff there. It made me wonder... Um, and also hearing that this was somewhat autobiographical about Sophia being on kind of press tours, it made me wonder if this movie is as much an angry movie as it is a sad movie. If there's mm-hmm. some like resentment toward like um, Hollywood types and the sort of um, celebrity culture. I mean, we obviously get that um, writ large in, in Bob's whole experience. He's obviously been to a certain extent cast aside by Hollywood, but. I don't know, it seems like she really does sort of have an axe to grind, potentially, with uh, Spike Jones and maybe some of his associates. Oh, absolutely. It seems like a direct attack mm-hmm. on, I mean, anybody in the industry watching, even though it is kind of broad and everyone can kind of skirt being like, oh, that's, that's, she's making fun of me. Uh, it seems <laughs> like generally she just hates, I guess, Hollywood culture and tries to keep things in this sort of indie way, even though she is very much a product of it and a part of it. I'm trying to imagine Sofia Coppola being in a relationship with Spike Jones, who like got his start. Uh, well, I don't know necessarily got his start, but was heavily involved in Jackass. Like I'm imagining the guy, a guy who was involved in Jackass, being Sofia Coppola's husband. Like it really, truly, like it makes me think of all my oh past my relationships. God. Yeah, um... <laughs> just, just, just like fucking baboon assing around <laughs> while some woman is like, oh, fuck. and oh, him like Jesus. doing taking his career quote seriously. Well, uh. Sophia Coppola is just like making her tiny genius little movies. She uh-huh. she obviously has a very high conception of herself against uh against uh the like background of Hollywood, but like I mean, come on. What's it? Wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, she's so cool. Oh. She is so cool. I mean, I I think she fancies herself as one at a, as a sort of Scarlett Johansson character, uh like <laughs> perfect mm-hmm. uh infallible which I, I don't have any anything against i don't i don't have anything to say against that yeah i mean i i'd say she's just about infallible in my book i have uh, <laughs> yet to see a movie of hers that i didn't like um i mean i guess i mean i guess if we're gonna get down to brass tacks yeah I'd like the reason we're not just going part of the reason we're not just coming out and saying yeah i mean this movie's out and out racist because that's not like an interesting discussion for a podcast we need Uh to get a little bit more nuanced here um that there's parts of this movie that have aged really poorly i'm gonna choose from my perspective not to begrudge (laughs) some people (laughs) we can talk about the morals of that which one of us in the year 2003 was not exactly doing not doing pp in my coke Pee in your coke joke. <laughs> and I'm not saying that makes it okay, but we've got to view it through the lens of its time. And honestly, they've, they've said as much on Comptown before, like, it was perfectly socially acceptable to make jokes at Asian people's expense until, like, 2006. <laughs> I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying, like, you know as well as I right, that... Right, I mean, it was given stuff best original screenplay. So... for a really long time. Uh-huh. So, the, uh, I think... Uh, we still have to cover the, the the penultimate final scene. So we're getting to this point in their relationship where they've had their, their, their there's a clear tension. They kind of kiss on the lips and it falls apart. 
and uh, there's this scene where there's a fire alarm going off and everybody has to go outside and uh, Bob and Charlotte are able to laugh about like having like a tense moment and being like, ah, ha ha, that was funny. So when do you leave? And Bob's like, oh, yeah, I'll leave tomorrow. And there's a kind of wistful quality. She's like, says, oh, I'll miss you. I can't yeah. <laughs> yeah it's things are getting a little tense now it's like oh man they're only they're just like ships passing in the night they're like are they ever going to get back together are they going to run away or you know we're kind of under the under the idea operating under the idea that like nothing in either of their lives is really going to like change based on how the movie's going uh and so and the next day, Bob's leaving, and he goes through the rigmarole, shaking all these Japanese people's hand. And then S- S- Charlotte, Scarlet, and Bob, their names are Bill and Bill Scarlet. And S- Scarlet, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, they see each other, they run into each other, they give like a goodbye, but it's obviously not enough. And then, what happens, Bennett? He's uh, driving in a way, away in a taxi, and now, not to be the CinemaSins guy about it, but watching <laughs> this movie again, I'm like, oh yeah, how did she get to like where they're at? He's driving. She's to walking the a mile a damn minute. <laughs> yeah, has she been pacing around inside the hotel, and they've just been stuck in traffic? Well, um, she got back into the elevator, presumably to uh-huh. go back go to up. her yeah, room. How did she yeah. get down there? <laughs> but anyway, he sees her on like a, a crowded street. He stops the car. He gets out. He walks up to her. Uh, they sort of embrace, uh, they kiss, and then he whispers something in her ear, which we don't hear. Uh, it's great. It's like, humana, uh, humana, humana. Yeah. Uh, people have tried to, like, capture the audio, and apparently he says, I have to be leaving, but I won't, like, get that, get between us. Um, lame, I don't care, I don't want to know. We, we, can't we just, we also, you know what, I noticed there's another really, um, thought-provoking ellipsis in this movie as well. When she goes to that temple and she ties up that piece of paper around the tree, I think mm. we're made to believe she's written something on it. I like that that's another sort of ellipses, um, mm. another sort of, um, you know, unfilled in um, I, I piece of the puzzle can, here. I can lend, a, metaphors. I can lend a, 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 an eye into what that is. There's a holiday called, oh, I forget what it's called. It's in late July, and uh, you tie a kind of wish or like a personal thing you want to happen um, and if it doesn't rain on a certain day, then that wish comes true. You tie it to like a piece of bamboo. It's like a tradition, a holiday in Japan. Subject to the there's is there an Ozu film called Late July or am I mistaken here? It's late spring. Late Never spring. Mind. Yeah. Well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reference. Um, she, <clears throat> I, I agree with you. She, it does leave this kind of inside personal uh, aspect of both people up to up to the viewer um and only only illuminates parts of their the the inner parts of themselves by the way they relate to each other and the way they perform yeah and and two people who have throughout the movie shown themselves to be to certain degree uh, to differing degrees kind of uneasy when they're kind of under public scrutiny um you know in the case of bob it's very much an occupational hazard that he's starting to sort of chafe against and for her it's more operating in like her husband's circles it's a moment that's just between the two of them that we don't get any um, insight into. It, mm-hmm. It's a true moment of like privacy for two people who have sort of been forced to be very public people. Yeah, it's almost like uh, following the trail of disliking the Hollywood culture and the idea of per- performing all the time and uh, 
getting to a point where their relationship is so so intimate that not even we have uh not even the audience has like a view on the kind of electricity that they share which i think is a great way to just end this and the movie's got a great soundtrack and it ends with that uh, great jesus and mary chain song yeah even oh. after the credits are rolling for a while the music's still good uh, there's like a half Japanese song in the middle. She throws in her like kind of early 2000s deep cuts um, and kind of flexes on her music taste. How do you feel about the way this movie kind of wraps itself up very neatly? Um, Perfect. Honestly, I can see why it won best screenplay because it's mm-hmm. sort of uh, it's the perfect way to end a movie. It just sort of tied up with like a nice little bow and it's just ambiguous enough, you know? Yeah, she said she originally thought about putting in audio in that scene. Thank, what a fucking disaster that would have been if like, you could hear I think what this he movie says. Would, yeah, if you could hear what he said. I mean, I think this movie would still get by on its its undeniable, you know, look and its performances, but mm-hmm. that you would lose so much of what is so almost like. I mean, not almost. There's something so erotic about yeah, it not, is. Uh, not not knowing. You know, it's also what's I think the main erotic quality is that these two people in in every concept every idea of this world would never be together they would never have sex they never consummate it but it seems that they have like a really undeniable attraction to each other and so sophia is kind of continually playing with the idea that like they could never be together but what if um and then she just kind of like bridges that by having them like kiss in a sort of funny way um but i feel that sophia is a director that has she really works on having like this an aura to each movie a a a single um definitive style to each one and that she's not really working against herself at any point to distract and that she continually kind of pads this stylistic visual quality and emotional quality to send you in like one very clear direction and throughout doing that we'll kind of throw in things that point to i guess greater truths about who we are who her conception of the world and the people that she interacts with sophia that is um and that maybe what makes this a successful indie movie is that it gives a viewer everything they need to feel satisfied with it. Whereas like, I think a lot of movies that are extremely thought provoking and independent in every way and stuff like to use the dumb example, John Cassavetes, he's making a movie that explodes in every direction and there is no single way to feel about it. Whereas John Cassavetes wants to work against the viewer, and Sofia Coppola wants to wants to work with them to bring them to this sort of tender, uh, stylized, kind of relaxing mm. uh, style of viewing, and that's how she gets her interesting moments to come out. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a moment of catharsis at the end because it is so muted. But right, I, I mean, I find. And again, I haven't seen all of her films, but all of the ones I've seen, you do sort of know, and it, it can sound like a dig, you know what sort of film you're watching within the first couple of frames. Mm-hmm. Um, she she doesn't really throw you a lot of curveballs aesthetically, tonally. 
Um, and she reaches these moments of emotional catharsis that are ultimately slightly muted. Um, speaking completely out of my ass because I haven't seen Ozu, <laughs> my understanding of Ozu <laughs> is that every one of his films, you find yourself kind of going, what's he, what's he getting at here? What's, what am I, what am I watching for? And then they ultimately reach these like heartbreaking emotional mm -hmm. sort of climaxes. Yeah. Um, so in a way she's a reverse Ozu. Um, he, um, she's he an Uzo. Takes, he takes a long time to uh, get you to what he's really ultimately talking about, and she kind of lays it out from the beginning. And both reach moments of uh, really kind of heart heart tugging emotional uh, emotional depth. Yeah, she really makes me makes me weep, makes me cry, um, bring a teardrop to my eye. That's just a little little segment we like poem to call a little a little poem. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. I found myself just laughing at that that term. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. It's like shut up. Fuck! What was I laughing at? I'm still just laughing at Goatsy. I'm still just laughing at brother. I'm all the way Goatsy. <laughs> or I tweeted and no one favorited it. You got ghosted. Wow! Some people get all the luck. I got Goatsy. <laughs> Oh man! If there were truer parting words, Ben, is there anything you gotta you wanna say to wrap up this uh, this tender episode of Real Rap? One more parting word, and again, not to belabor the accent stuff in this movie. I realized that you and I would be such hypocrites to really take this movie or Sophia to task oh, because one of our favorites yeah. is oh no no not because we've done this, <laughs> but <laughs> because one of our favorite movies is A Serious Man, which also features um, a uh, a played for played for laughs. Uh, in, in this case, it's a Korean character, but there's another sort of accent joke in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, it would be a, scenes, not 40, it'd, be a but... it'd be a mortal sin for us to take for us to knock this and not and not just just throw ser a serious man to the to the birds. Yeah, I don't I even can't very well throw this one to the birds, and I'm not going to throw a serious man to the birds. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, let me see. My parting words will, are going to be. Um, uh, um, my parting words are gonna be "mata ashita, sayonara." Don't let don't let the door hit you where the G good lord split you. Mm. Hey, don't let the dog hit you in the ass on the way out. <laughs>